I'm Joe Cerencioni. I'm a national security analyst and author here in Washington, D.C. And I'm Negar Mortazavi, a journalist and political analyst also based in Washington, D.C. Hi, Joe. <laughs> Hello, Negar. You know, a year ago, right before the Iranian elections, we were very close to a final deal, and then the whole thing stopped. And this year, it seems to be going backwards. It's like the stock market prospects for it returning to the JCPOA seem to be plummeting. Where do you think we are uh, right now? I agree with you, Joe. I'm also, I've lost a lot of hope, not completely, but I think where we are is we're dealing, we have a deal that's not dead yet, the nuclear deal, but it's on life support. It's been on life support for a while. And the status quo is something that the Biden administration seems to be comfortable with. No, they don't want a dead deal, meaning Iran completely unraveling the whole nuclear agreement. They also don't want to pay the political price for resurrecting this deal, sort of bringing it out of the coma. And I think as we get closer to the U.S. midterm elections, the domestic political cost of doing it will in fact, increase. And it's just something that I think the Biden administration is not prepared to pay. But then on the Iranian side, the status quo, meaning a deal on life support, is not so great from their viewpoint. It's uh, It means a continuation of the maximum pressure campaign and crippling uh, economic sanctions on Iran. So from their viewpoint, they either have to take a step back, meaning accept the deal that's on the table without removing the IRGC as a foreign terrorist organization, which the Biden team doesn't want to do. And I don't think the hardliners who are in power in Iran would agree that. Or they could take a step forward and escalate further and sort of increase the price of the status quo for the Biden administration and then change the calculation. I don't know which one they're going to take, but it seems like the status quo is not very appealing to them. What do you think, Joe, as we get closer to the midterm election? And I know you were just back from Israel. What did you hear and see there from the viewpoint of U.S.'s closest ally in the region? Well, I agree with your assessment. The Biden policy seems to be muddled through, like minimize risks, even though the criticism they would take for rejoining the JCPOA would mainly come from the insurrectionist caucus. It would mainly come from those people who are sort of you know, outside the, the political mainstream, but are, are, are very loud on those uh, extremes. Israel doesn't like the status quo either. They would like to kill this deal. And just yesterday, they started floating the idea of a unified political and military alliance against Iran, a joint military cooperative agreement with the Arab states and Israel to confront Iran. I think this is dead in the water. I don't, I don't think the U.S. has any interest in this whatsoever. I think it's a fantasy that, you, that there's a military solution, but that's what Israel is pushing. Their agenda all along has been one, kill the JCPOA, number two, start a war with Iran. Uh, they're still pushing that that line. Um, I do you see any prospect in the in the coming months? Is there is there any hope we can cling to that possibly Iran could change its position or the U.S. could change its position and we could finalize this deal? Well, I'll talk about the Iranian side, and then I want to hear your view on Washington. I think there is a possibility, never say never, that the Iranian would take a step back and eventually take the offer without the IRGC designation. There seems to be a lot of discussions or 
arguments, if you may, within the Iranian political structure. But I still find right. it just unlikely. Let me interrupt just for a second. Because for both sides, the IRGC designation is, is symbolic, isn't it? It is. It doesn't it really is. matter. It is, but you know, for the one who designated it, it doesn't matter more. And for the IRGC, you know, it matters, even though it's symbolic, you know, they consider themselves part of the Iranian National Army and it's a prestige issue. But there's also some economic aspects tied to it because the IRGC essentially has a part in almost every major industry mm. in the Iranian economy. So, and then we ha we can't forget that the June election last year in Iran, the presidential election, saw a change of administration. You have the hardliners now in power, and that's why we were warning the Biden administration that the first six months of their administration is really a golden window of opportunity that they had with the previous admin and the same team they made the nuclear agreement with. But I, I feel like they delayed that process in part to bring the Israelis and some Arab uh, allies in the Gulf region on board, and it doesn't look like yeah. they're on board. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You and I and others were both warning the administration, do this right away, do it on day one. And Biden seemed to be promising that that's what he would do. But in office, they hesitated. They thought they could use this, the sanctions to sort of get a, a better deal to pressure Iran. That was an illusion. And we end up with a Biden nuclear policy that is, in essence, Trump's policy. In fact, this is true for the overall Middle East, as seen by the Biden's upcoming trip to Saudi Arabia. It's basically the Trump Middle East policy without the rhetoric. Yeah, from the Iranian viewpoint, this is a continuation of maximum pressure, even though they don't like to call it maximum pressure. It's a Biden policy now. But if sanctions have not been lifted, just a change of rhetoric is not enough from the Iranian viewpoint. We're going to have so to much, we're gonna have to leave it there. Thanks so much, Nagar.